Well, good morning, everyone. It is a privilege to be back here with each one of you. And uh, I bring the greetings of my beloved wife and children, and we're just very thankful. Thankful for each and every one of you. And just to be back here and uh, bringing God's word uh, this morning. Uh, let us pray as we approach the Lord. Holy Spirit, we do pray indeed that you will accomplish your work this morning, that my mouth will not speak of myself, Lord, but of your power found in your word, that only the channel will be, but your presence will be among us. Speak to our hearts and help us to receive your word, Lord, in a good soil. We pray you this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, taking care of gardens or farming is something that requires a lot of planning, isn't it? Something that requires a lot of uh, thinking and intentionality. You must not put or set your hopes up for the crop. In fact, there's so many factors that goes into preparing the soil. If you have a garden, you know what I'm talking about making sure that all the weeds are gone, making sure even that the right amount of water goes into the plants. And there's so many unpredictable factors that go into what ultimately lead to a crop and a yielding of fruit. We are responsible. If we have a garden or we plant a, a farm, we're responsible for what condition the ground receives the seed. And we know that the crop will be determined by the type of soil that receives the seed. And friends, in many ways, this is exactly how it is with God's word. The question that comes to us this morning is, how well grounded is the gospel in your life. You see, your walk with God is determined by what kind of receiver of the word of God you are. The determining factor for your conversion and growth in the Christian life depends on how are you receiving the word of God. And that is what determines the genuine nature of of the fruits that we bear. Let us now, therefore, turn to the God's word and look at the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. And we're going to look this morning to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, I will read the parable, verses 1 through 9. And then we will jump to verses 18 and 23, where Jesus gives us an interpretation of the parable. The parable of the sower, Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 to 23. Hear now the word of God. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat be beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. 
and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And now we jump on verses 18 to 23. Verses 18 to 23. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the word and the deceitfulness of riches choke the words, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands, and he indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord, and may God bless us now the meditation of his words. The parable of the sower. Friends, this is a moment in the Gospel of Matthew where what we see here is the cycle of teachings that Jesus Christ is doing. He has given two sermons to the crowd. He has started his ministry saying, repent for the kingdom of God is among you. And after those two sermons that Jesus had given, now comes this third sermon. The two sermons have not been well received. And so what happens now, there is a rising confrontation. The message that Jesus is preaching is not receiving a good response. In fact, there's the Pharisees. But even the natural family of Jesus, his, his own uh, blood brothers, his mother, I think in this moment they think that Jesus is crazy and they're trying to dissuade him and they are not believing. And so in the rising of this opposition, Jesus comes with parables. And these parables are not meant to be some sort of stories to make you understand. This is often how parables have been understood but that is nothing could be further from the truth. Parables are actually ways in which God hides divine messages from unbelievers who are coming to Jesus to listen, but they come with unbelief. So the kingdom of God is preached, and those who understand will understand further, but those who lack understanding remain in the dark. And the point here is, he who has ears, let him hear. That means you really understand, you really obey what I am telling you, what I am preaching to you. Parables were fulfillment of prophecy. As God intentionally blinds Israel 
because of their unbelief. They were a sign of judgment. Because of the stubborn unbelief of, of these people. And people were wondering why are so many people rejecting the message of Jesus? And the reason is given to us here. Because Jesus withholds the meaning. And, and it's almost a paradox. That Jesus uses stories that are like children's stories. That even a child can understand. And yet it becomes a riddle if you don't approach those stories by faith, by true faith, by true repentance, you remain in the dark. That's the new spiritual truth that Jesus wants us to catch here. That there is a judgment call through the parable on unbelievers. I do remember the first time I was placed before these very words, I was still an unbeliever. And I came to this little church in North Italy. And we read the passage. And conviction came into my heart. And I said, I am not a good seed. Whatever, whatever else about this parable, I am convicted. I am not a good seed. And so we come to this parable today. The goal is not to say, okay, if I'm in the wrong field, I'm done. No, the goal is to look at me now. Look what God through His Spirit has opened my eyes and actually brought good soil. So that 10 years after that moment, 11 years from that moment, God has opened my eyes and I am indeed a good soil. Not because of me, but because of what the grace of God has done. And so the goal for us is to, with hope, realize that the way in which we hear the Word of God, we hear the message of the Gospel, needs to be the right way with perception, with understanding. And so let us now dive in, asking ourselves, are we really listening to the Word of God? When we listen to the Word of God, there is a way, friends, that we could listen to it that lead us to hell. There is a way we can reject the conviction that God brings in our hearts, or we start to rationalize what God is trying to speak to us and dismiss it, disregard it until God brings hardening in our hearts. And then we become unable to understand the parable. Jesus told us that this happened through the seed of God's word. That unless the seed dies, it cannot bear fruit. Then unless we come to the end of ourselves and listen now to these words... Listen to this gospel, considering, perceiving, and seeking to comprehend the meaning, not just intellectually, but to bring our hearts to a real conversion. Jesus is warning us there's different types of hearers here. And only one out of the three, the three places where the seed of the word of God comes bears real fruit. All the other three fall short of something. And that something is this. That Jesus warned me and you today that among the many ways in which we can hear the message of God, whether through ignorance, whether through superficial, whether through distraction, only those who are attentive hearers and doers of the word of God can bring true lasting spiritual fruit, can really be truly genuine believers. Let us dive into this text where we see these uh, four kinds of seeds. 
four kinds of seed. If you have that outline, those are listed to you, and we're going to go through them. But first of all, look at verses 1 through 3, which is almost an introduction to what is happening here. Now, this parable comes on the heel of the gigantic unbelief of the crowds. Jesus is uh, coming out of his hometown, and there's large crowds that are coming, but they're listening to him in the wrong way. And Jesus tells us that he's not interested in the crowds. I mean, today there's a big craving for big crowds, big numbers. Churches wants to just have people come in. Not so for Jesus. Because Jesus is saying, many are not really listening. Then therefore, they're not really my disciples. They come here because they have eaten Physical bread, but they're not really listening to the word of God. Jesus, however, look at this. First of all, he doesn't seem so desperately wanting everyone to understand. In fact, he places before the crowd the cost of following him, which will cost everything. Anyone who comes after me must hate his own life. And what happens in the gospel of John is that the whole crowd leaves. And only the 12 disciples remain. And Jesus asks them, do you want to live too? And what does he say? Peter, to whom shall we go? You alone have words of eternal life. Friends, have you tasted eternity in the pages of the Bible? That is the question. As Jesus prepares himself and sets the stage for this parable, he preaches in a boat on the shores of the lake of Galilee. And he comes with parables. Parables were moments where Jesus comes up with a story to, it might be familiar story, in this case it's farming, but he wants to make a point, he wants you to catch a spiritual truth in this parable. He describes it to all the crowd, but then he interprets it only to the believers. And in fact, in other parts of the gospel, we know that Jesus assumes that we, we as believers are supposed to interpret it. We are supposed to know the meaning of this parable. And Jesus is the sower. We see this in, in this very chapter, verse 37, that he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Jesus is coming and preaches the gospel to the crowds. And he's sowing the seed of the word of God. And by extension, this applies to those who preach the gospel today. But even as you go out of this uh, place and you bring the gospel to others, you are a spiritual farmer. You are bringing the message of salvation. But the focus is not so much in us. The focus is the type of receivers to the seed of the word of God that is spread. There are different kinds of hearers. So that the general public that Jesus is preaching to remain puzzles when he hears this parable. But believers are supposed to understand. So what is the first seed? The first of four seeds is the seed sown on streets. The seed sown on streets. And that is what I would call a deaf hearer. A deaf hearer, a person who receives the word of God without understanding, allows Satan to take the word of God away. And that is verse 4, the wayside. I mean, if you are a farmer, you know that you cannot always control where the seed falls. And in this case, the road is not the place where the seed is supposed to go. 
But you know, it happens. It is not the, the way it intends. And what happens? There's no root. There's nothing. It's just a path. And therefore, birds come and take the seed. But here in verse 19, Jesus gives us the meaning. He says, that person is a person who hears the word of the kingdom, the gospel, but he's a deaf hearer. He is unresponsive. He doesn't grasp the word of God, the meaning of the gospel that is preached to him. Why? Because that word of God is supposed to challenge the thinking and the way of life of that person. And that person is supposed to actually believe in Jesus Christ and repents of his sin. But he doesn't do that. He remains, he fails to understand it. And I fear that is exactly the problem in very much of the sharing the gospel that we do in the church today. We, we have been wasting our time like in an asphalted road and we expect that asphalted road to actually bring fruits where there's no spiritual fruits that lasts. There's, there's a lot of people that can come to church and they get nothing out of the preaching of the word of God. Or maybe they find the message of the, the, the gospel inconvenient to their life. But notice the problem might be in the seed itself, in our understanding of the gospel, that sometimes might be deficient. And therefore, what we have been sowing is not the gospel. It's something that we have not internalized, we have not understood ourselves. We have not articulated well. The gospel that we, we have to have an understanding of who God is, His holiness, His perfection, His beauty, but also our sin. And the fact that if we don't deal with it, we are headed to judgment. And that judgment fell on the cross where Jesus Christ took all of that wrath of God for our sins. And then now He commands every man everywhere to turn away from their sin and put their trust in what Jesus did for us at the cross. And that through that, we have eternal life. But what happens with these people? They do not understand this. And what does happen? Look at our text. The wicked one, verse 19 again, comes, Satan. Satan actively seeks to dissuade people from believing or mixing believers with unbelievers. Later on, the next parable is the tares among the wheat. He comes and snatches away. He takes away the word of God before they can even understand the word of God. Now, you may know about magpies. Magpies are birds that love to come and snatch shiny things, don't they? But I'm telling you, with their reputation to steal your precious silver, there's something far more dangerous at work here. The devil hates and steals the word of God from the heart of soul. As you are sharing the gospel, there is an actual spiritual warfare that Satan doesn't want you to understand. As a, Satan has been defined as the great thief of sermons. He loves to come and steal what is sown in the heart of men. That is heedless hearers. They're so close to, to being to God's field. They come so close to church, but they are actually not in the field. And Satan is busy. To seek to contrast the advancement of the kingdom of God. So that new souls are, are brought to true conversion. 
That is the seed in the streets. Let us look at the second seed, which is the seed sown on stones. And this is what I will call the depthless hearer. The hearer who has no depth. Verses 5 and 6 says that receiving the word of God superficially will not stand the test of life. Stony places. We're familiar with this. Yesterday I was with Rick. We went around this property and he told me that many times there might be a limestone base lying right under the soil. And that limestone base, that those rocks can create problem. Because when you, you put a seed in that, they have no depth. Okay, they might be spranging up. The, 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 the seed may sprang up, it says our text. All at once and quickly, impulsively, they jump to accept Jesus into their hearts. That's what they do. But they have no depth. There is no depth of soil. There is, you see, true growth, true spiritual growth requires time. And therefore, to actually be quick, to come to a quick altar call is actually harmful. In-depth, open-hearted conversations take time, don't we know? In our relationship with people, we know it takes time and effort to actually get beyond the surface, beyond uh, small talk. And even if you craft a thing of beauty, um, I was yesterday at someone's house and they showed me this beautiful table. It took time to actually bring it to shape. And, you know, in Nashville, if you're a country singer, it takes time to, to craft a beautiful song and a beautiful tune. And so... Uh, Unless you are a rabbit, you should have learned by now that few minutes is a, too short of a way to accomplish anything in this life. And so how much more should we take this approach in a certainly when we share the gospel that the person truly understands the meaning of the gospel and they, they truly come through time to a true growth and a true conversion. And I'm afraid that even when we present the gospel and also the people that come forward to this gospel, there's much shallowness. There's almost an approach where people come with interest as they were coming for Jesus. But when they hear of a coming judgment, they may be glad to hear a sermon once and twice, but they do not change. There's no true spiritual change. You see, even emotions are not the true tests through signs of a true conversion for a while, for a few months, for a season. These seeds are better than the ones who is heedless, who is deaf, but they're still not the good soil. Because as soon as the sun rises, verse 20, 19, 20, what happens? They have not grown deep enough and they wither. They hear the word, verse 20, they have a quick emotional high, a positive response to the gospel, but it was an impulsive response. I mean, we want, we want to have quick fruits, quick conversions, quick church growth at any cost. But there's no depth, friends. There is no depth. God is interested in something different. In fact, God doesn't want millions of souls to go self-deceived into eternity. Never, may we never embrace such mindset. May we seek to see through good soil as we will go later. Because the trick of this seed on the stones is this, that they receive the word of God with joy. 
Because emotion apart, this person never permits the message of the word of God to actually control him. He may have an emotional response, but if you go deep down and you ask him, is the Lord Jesus Lord of your life? Is this Lordship of Christ showing into your life? It might not show. It might not go deeper. Not a true seed. Despite the initial emotional sign, there's no resolution in the will, no firmness to stand. The truth of the word of God has not sank deep into their hearts. And they, when the, whenever the, the scorching heat of trials comes, they can fall away. Because they have no root. They have no power to stand the tests of life. The, the, the persecution. They're temporary believer. They fact fall back to their former life. They're inconstant. And uh, in the eyes of God, to be a temporary believer is to be no believer at all. It's just not what God is looking for. Though they were true, plain Christian, they went the wrong way. And their mistake is not remembering the words of this text. And even in us, when we get surprised, I thought this person was a Christian. But actual, how do we come, become a true actual believer? Faith, it's more than an intellectual assent. It's like you really grasp with firmness Jesus Christ. You really count the costs. You really turn away from your sin. And your life changes and it brings real fruits. And so when tribulation and persecution come, that is the ultimate test. On account of the word of God, affliction are coming to this person who claims to be a Christian. He has an outward adherence to the word of God. But then immediately, our text says, just as immediately as he believes, immediately he falls away. He's offended. He's scandalized. The Bible becomes a stumbling block for that person. And so he started to distrust God. He starts to go his own way. Or maybe he falls morally. It reminds me of the character of the Pilgrim Progress. Pliable. When, you know, he's just coming with Pilgrim. But then as soon as the hardship comes and he falls into the fall in this, uh, on, the, on, the, on the mud, he goes back. Isn't this what is happening in North America now? So many people say, oh, I was a Christian, but now I deconstruct my faith. I, I deconverted. Yeah, because they, they quickly jumped in the wagon, but they didn't really understand what true salvation is. They have a superficial reception of the gospel. And they cannot stand the shame of the cross. They cannot stand the hardships that come with truly following Jesus Christ. And so much that goes under the title Christian We'll be swept away. If persecution comes to our country, which it looks like is coming, you will see great apostasy, great falling back, and just a superficial claim to Christianity. On the flip coin, I am so encouraged when I see saints who are standing for years, months, under continuous attack, and they're proving to us that there is a different type of seed, a different type of soil. But the starting point, friend, for our journey together, as I, I contemplate coming here, which I hope will last long, is that we, we don't just see people come to church, pass through church, even join the church, but that the seed of God will penetrate through our hearts and it will bring true fruit, true conversion. But you see, only time tells. 
And so hesitancy sometimes is actually a good path. Hesitancy sometimes is we're, we're just, we love you, but we want to make sure that this gospel has gone deep. That's why we're doing this, because we love you. It is not necessarily wrong, wrong even to test people. Test people before they become a deacon. Test people before they come and join a church. Because we want to make sure that this person, under hardship, lasts the test. So now let's look at the third seed. The seed sown on spines and thorns. and This is the distracted here. The distracted here. Verses 7 and 22. He receives the word of God amidst life distractions that preclude growth. Genuine growth. In fact, a choke is life. These thorns and thistles, a symbol of the curse in the Mediterranean, and I come from that region, they are big, okay? When thorns grow up, I mean, I was helping my dad this summer to take off all these thorns that had grown in 20 years. They had been growing as tall as a building. And I had to take one of those, uh, you know, cutter and just take it off. And they have a, a, root, a root system, and it's, it's nasty. But they don't look big in the beginning, don't they? Probably when the farmer spread the seed, it, they weren't even there. But what, what happens? Luke 8 tells us they grew up with the seed together, parallel. And they choke, they strangle the seed of the word of God. And this, verse 22 tells us that there's two kinds of thorns that come into this hearer. The one who is completely choked by the care of this world. The anxieties of life. Or the deceitfulness of riches. Which can be a love of money. Or it can be the illusion that if I get more money, that I can get happier. I can be, and that person is choked. And generally, other passages Look, it's just generally speaking of desire for other things in this life, which might be even legitimate things, the pleasures of life that choke the word of God. The point of this is that they come, there might be good seed, but it's stifled, and the good seed cannot mature under that pressure. That that seed of the word of God drowns under the cares it gets strangled by the worries of this life and the desires of this life. Hebrews 6 tells us that the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake is cultivated. If it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless. Only good for the fire. Friend, are you asphyxiated by the many cares of this life? Competing priorities in your life. Now, whether we are this kind of seed, or even as true Christians, we all have thorns in our lives. But the problem, friends, is when these thorns become an excuse to actually submit into the kingdom of God. When, when you set aside the call of God for your life to actually embrace the Lordship of Christ and the gospel, and you reject the call of the kingdom of God that is knocking at your door... That may show that you have not placed God's kingdom above everything. Now, this can be anything. In our day and age, you got entertainment. You got pleasures of this life. that are trying to take over your attention. 
Or you may want to get rich. You got to want more money. And you got to do shortcuts. You got to get more money. And so you are willing to compromise. Or even sometimes uh, that can refer to anything. It can be a false teaching. It can be a false idea, a false, you know, I think like right now we're facing, you know, whether it's prosperity gospel, whether it's social justice, whether it's black lives matter, any of these false doctrine, what do they do? They choke the word of God. They choke it so that it doesn't be, bring good fruits and it suck all the spiritual life that can come into your life. And that is the moment you have to repent of your cares. You have to redirect your life. This is the time to turn away from all these anxieties, covetousness, remove the thorns, dig up the, the ground. As uh, Hosea 10 says, sow yourself in righteousness, reap according to kindness, break your fallow ground. That's the way to get rid of thorns, isn't it? But realizing that there's one who wore the crown of thorns on your behalf, and that is Jesus Christ. That this doesn't come through your power. It is through the power of the Spirit that you say, Lord, I, I got thorns in my life, and I know you can take care of this. You can help me to become fruitful. Because the problem here, friends, is if you're this kind of seed, you will become fruitless, barren, or die. And, and that, that is the description of people who have one foot in this life, and what foot in the church. And they be engaged in the church for a while. But they do less and less for God. Why? Because the cares of this world are taking over. And the ultimate condition. They're more and more. I want to make more money. I want to more get distracted. Something is taking over. There are things in this life friends. That can strangle the power of God. And his word in your life. And I'm talking in a day and age where this becomes more challenging. You got your phones. You got internet. You got all the news. The vanity fair that is screaming at you. You got, you know, I got to get more money. It's like this culture is pressing you to, and even good things. Even your work, which God commands you to work. But if that work becomes an idol, if that work choke the word of God in your life, and you got no time, or your hobbies, your family... Things that are good. But if the, they become an obstacle to the kingdom of God, it's like, God, I got no time for you. What is that revealing? See, our conversion or our true growth in the Christian life depends on this, friends. That we, you might even condemn outwardly those things. You know that is a problem. But when are you going to actually uproot it? When are you going to actually do something about it? When are you going to go down, down and take those roots away? Friends, anything that keeps you from listening, following, and obeying Jesus Christ and His Word is a thorn. It's a thorn in your life. It may look little now, but it grows. It wraps itself around you and ultimately brings you to ruin and a spiritual death. It is time to uproot it. To realize that these cares, once we come to eternity, they will be gone. It will be burned. It will be worth nothing. All that it will be worth is you must come to the point that you say, you can take everything in my life, but give me Jesus. Whether it's a big house, whether it's a big thing, so I want Jesus. That's what's going to last. And the soul of the people around me is what's going to last. And that is what needs to be my focus. Now let's move, therefore, to the positive side here. And the fourth and only good soil, the seed sown on good soil. 
And I define this as the docile hearer, the teachable hearer, verses 8 and 23. Verses 8 and 23 tells us that receiving the word of God with consideration, with thoughtfulness, with taking heed to the word of God is what brings through lasting spiritual fruits. It is what brings you actually to come to Jesus Christ and to really be converted. Or is what leads you to thrive as a Christian. Verse 8. What is a good ground? It's not a good looking ground, friends. It's a profitable ground. It's a fertile soil. Which by the Spirit of God. Who enlightens you. To understand the truth of his salvation. It brings fruit. It brings great fruit. We're told 160 or 30. According to the measure that God gives to each one of us. Not to compare each other, you know. Oh, that Christian is bearing more fruit than I know. The point here is whatever that nature of the soil that God has given you, you bring fruits. And honestly, the farmer sees at that and says, this is beyond the wildest dreams and imagination that I had. As you look at your Christian life, it's like, and you, look, you have a track record and you're like, what has God done? And it's all because of his work in my heart to have a responsive or well-prepared field to understand and hold other, other words says in, in Mark and Luke, the other gospels that speak of this, they accept the word of God, they hold the word of God fast in an honest and good heart. That means that you take the word, the good news of what Christ has done for you at the cross and you, you treasure it in your heart. You reflect on that word of God. You have faith in that word of God. You believe that Jesus died for you and you turn away from your sin. You obey to the word of God now. You long to hear the word of God and to, to obey. Just like a child. I'm not telling you about like, oh, now I need to get smarter to understand the, the parable. No, the point is a child, when you speak to a child, I speak to my daughter, she understands, she goes and she, she obeys. She does it quickly and, and, and with expectation. So how do we become a good ground? How do we become a good soil? By being teachable, by trembling at the word of God, by receiving what the word of God says by faith. Heeding your word, the word of God and obeying it. And friends, when that happens, nobody, not even Satan, can take away what has been planted in your heart. And what happens, lastly, it bears fruit. In keeping with repentance. In keeping with repentance. Thomas Adams says, Holiness is the seed that shall have happiness in the harvest. That that happens, Luke 8 tells, tells us in verse 15, he bears fruit with patience. Patience. Some 100, some 60, some 30. Now, true believers are not all alike. Some are more fruit, some are less. But the point is, there is fruit. And notice the life is in the seed, the word of God. It is not in you. The life doesn't come from you. But from the word of God. And may God brings us a big return for the spiritual harvest. That we sow abundantly. 
so that we shall reap abundantly. And that goes into our spiritual sharing the word of God, sharing the gospel. The point is not comparing to each other, but rejoicing where there's any fruit at all. That I can trace the fruit that God has brought in my life and in people's life. But if you bear no crop, that might be a sign that there's no spiritual life in you. There needs to be an evidence of an inward kingdom-centered life in you. That your life is centered around the kingdom of God and in Jesus Christ. We all acknowledge how beautiful it is, but we don't want to make the hard work that it takes to get there. We may have an outward... The problem with the crowd that are listening to this parable, they may have an agreement with Jesus Christ, but they have no intention of obeying. Tell us, Jesus, tell us the next parable. They, whether they're ignorant, whether they're superficial or distracted in the listening of God's word. No, Jesus is telling us, listen up, take heed, be thoughtful. Only one seed out of the four makes it here, man. Only one out of four. Which means the majority of people don't come through the narrow gates. Don't come through the narrow path that leads to life. Only a 25% of listeners make it to heaven. And they didn't make it because they were better or smarter. They make it because of the grace of God. The Holy Spirit opens their eyes to their sinfulness. And helps them to see. And through a mustard seed of faith comes a gigantic tree of the kingdom of God. This is none other than the work of God. This is none other of what Christ did for us. That seed that died and brought much fruit. So what do we make of this, friends? What lesson do we gather from this story, this parable? That there are various responses to the gospel. And this, uh, this can be some hardening, some shallowness. Other people may be contaminated by distractions. Only thoughtful listeners who truly believe and obey the word of God are proved in the end to be true believers. And our task in this great challenge is to sow, to plant, to water. That is our task. But we have no control over the growth. Jesus is not telling us to focus on the growth, but to realize we need to sow and we need to pray for good soil. Paul says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 to 8. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each one receives his wages according to his labor. Friends, the gospel does not always meet fertile soil. And in fact, I am coming here because I am looking to plow a field. That is the, the reason I'm coming here. I want to plow a field. And I'm praying that God gives us hundred much return for the word of God spread. That is my prayer in faith. That we come to this with a conscious decision. The question that I have for you today is this. How has God's word taken root in your life? 
be sure to be found around, among the good soil. Because I know that many, what soil are you? And what soil do you long to be? Perhaps some of us may be convicted of this message, as I was years ago. And the, the point is not to lead us into a hopelessness, but to realize I need to have an appropriate response to the Word of God that is brought to my attention. And if the soil is not good, then it's a waste of time. We need to pray for good soil. We need to say, Lord, bring me the good soil. It doesn't need to be a good-looking soil. It doesn't need to be fancy soil. What matters is that it brings fruit. And that needs to be our prayer. Because many will hear the word of God. Either they, they forget it immediately and they move on with their life to their greatest damage. Or wither after a while. Or gradually degenerating because of the pressure of life. Whether it's money, whether it's distraction, whether it's covetousness, anything of the like. But I cling to the promise of Isaiah 55, verse 10 to 11. It says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return it without watering to the earth and making it, but and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word, says the Lord, who goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty. But it will certainly accomplish what purpose I sent it for. That is the, the promise that we need to cling as we share the gospel. That God will do His work. He will accomplish. And the purpose, however, is multifaceted. And it can include even hardening. It can include things that shouldn't surprise us. People who we thought were true believers. Friends, this needs to be the, the, the capstone of whatever the Lord is going to do in the coming years here. The foundation of the way we're going to frame this is we're going to go into this aware. That at times there are going to be people who are for a while and then get out. For a while and mm, food is, soil is not good. But with the prayer that God gives us a hundred much. And that we sow with diligence as we go into this work. As we understand that there's a seed that is sown in the streets. A seed that is sown in the stones. A seed that is sown in the spines. Friend, the only seed that grows is the supernatural, raised up in spiritual immortality. The seed sown in good soil. A receptive heart. Deep down inside. Beyond the surface. And the question once again come to us. What soil are you? 